So let's start with a question from Kanu Ram that uh, he didn't get to ask last week. Okay. Good morning, Guru Maharaj. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Morning. Um, so I've been reading from the 10th canto in the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, like chapters 39 and 40, about Akrura coming to pick Krishna and Balaram up to go to Mathura. And my question is, like, so how did such a nice devotee like Akrura get mixed up with such a bad guy like Kamsa? Well, yeah, I think that um, um, you have to appreciate the circumstances. Kamsa was the ruler and... um, People, devotees like Okura were in different positions and so on and so forth. They weren't in a position to change the status, to create a revolution. Um, and of course, the Leela of Krishna is there to uh, defeat Kamsa and liberate uh, the devotees in Mathura. So he's part of the, part of the, um, you know, that, that Leela. And, um, and, Although we had some type of a post that, uh, as, as many of the residents of Mathura did, Guja also had a position bringing scented oils and, and, and whatnot to the king and, and so on and so forth. So they were all oppressed in different ways. Devaki and Vasudev obviously were the most suppressed in prisons and, and so on and so forth, but everybody was feeling the burden of the oppressive rule of Kamsa, but that doesn't mean that they were all going to revolt to Leela uh, to unfold, of course, is that Krishna would um, would liberate them all. And so, you know, despite the uh, the position that of, of, of Akura in relation to the king, we can see that he wasn't a devotee of the king, he wasn't, didn't advocate the king's rule. He may have had some practical job, if you will, employment in the king's service, but he took advantage of his, his position there and to be the carrier of Krishna to, uh, to, to Mathura. And there, of course, at the, at the Akura God, which has become famous, where Krishna paused, Krishna and Balaram paused and, um, bathed and so forth. That's where Krishna uh, transforms, if you will, or expands into from Vrindavan Krishna to Maturesh Krishna for those Leelas in, in Mathura. So, um, and for that matter, the prayers of Akura in, 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 that, in those chapters are very famous. And uh, he is singled out by Rupa Goswami as an example of how one could become perfect by bandhanam, by prayers. Um, of course, they, their particular type of prayer was Samaishvari and so forth, but such was his um, relationship with Krishna. And then when they got to Mathura, of course, he immediately invited Krishna to come to his home and so but Krishna had other things to do. Eventually, he, he did. Um, I fulfill the request of a guru to come to his home after I believe delivering the whole of whole of the city from uh Kansa's reign. So uh you know, also there's the side of Akuru 
from the gopi's perspective that he he was said to have been cursed by them <laughs> but this is all the play uh, of the lila kur is a great devotee and uh, certainly not a um, a follower of kamsa by any means does that help Yes, thank you very much, Guru Maharaj. The beautiful prayers. Yeah. Okay, another question. Okay, next question is from Dial Hari. He asks, what is your favorite story from the life of the six Goswamis? Oh, and Guru Maharaj, before you answer, uh, our interpreter, uh, Madame Mohan Prabhu, asked if you could speak a little slower. Okay, he's he's uh, translating into Spanish? Yes. And um, what country is Mohan in? Chile. In Chile. Okay, good. Um, I don't know if there's a particular Leela of the Six Goswamis that... Uh, I'm most uh, inspired by in a particular one. Um, but amongst them, I've always had a, a strong affinity for Sanatana Goswami, the leader and um, the author of the seminal text, the original Gaudiya text, Brihad uh, Bhagavatamrita. Of course, he attributes it to uh, to, to being an earlier text and he's written a commentary on it, but by and large we accept it's his his book. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I've always uh, uh, relished the opportunity to go to his uh, place of bhajan in Vrindavan, <clears throat> um, where he made the unleavened bread daily for for Madan Mohan. That said, um, at the same time, the Jiva Goswami's affinity for Sakiras is very uh, compelling, given the Prabhupada's, um, given Prabhupada's affinity for Sakiras and the fact that I follow in his footsteps in this regard internally, as I do also externally. Um, so repeatedly in that regard, um, we find uh, in the writings of Jiva Goswami, very uh, feelingful uh, expressions of, of attraction, love for the Leelas of Krishna Balaram, despite the fact that he is otherwise uh, identified with with Madhuri Ras and Manjari Bhav, like the other Goswamis. Jiva Goswami had um, in his childhood, it's mentioned in uh, Bhakti Ratnakar that he worshipped Krishna Balaram deities in his home. Mm-hmm. And that seems that uh, affection for them, that affinity for them seems to have carried over into his later life. His his um, magnum opus is the Gopal Champu retelling of the Prakat Leela from the Aprakat vantage point and uh, the, the fact that he named it Gopal 
Uh, some say it's because he had a disciple named Gopal who had, uh, was close with him, but I think the larger point is that he had affinity for Gopal Krishna. He named his other book Madhav Mahotsava, um, another Leela grunt of his, uh, with deference to Rupa Goswami. Hmm? He, he employed the name Madhava there. But as for himself, uh, Gopal seems to have been a favorite name of his. He goes so far, there are many statements, but uh, to underscore the point, he goes so far in Priti Sandharvas to say that the Kantabhav of Braj, that means the Bhav like Radharani, Chandravali, and other uh, group-leading gopis, for Krishna, the romantic love is mixed with Sakya. He doesn't comment on that further, um, but um, I've written a nice article on it, an appendix to my book on that and how, the, how to look at that, how to understand that, and give an example, give an example from the Leela um, narrative of Raghunath Das Goswami um, that supports Jeeva Goswami's uh, perspective. So from that point of view, um, I um, developed affinity for, for Jeeva Goswami and sought his blessings. Um, uh, I had the opportunity to see his Nishringa deity in, in Jaipur and petitioned to the deity that I might um, come to an understanding of Srimad Bhagavatam. Mm-hmm. As profound as Jiva Goswami's, uh, the Dev being the deity, presiding deity of the Ishtadevata of Sridhar Swami, the famous commentator at all of our Gaudiya founding acharyas, following the footsteps of commentator on the Bhagavatam, Sridhar Swami. Um, so, um, apparently Jiva Goswami worshipped him as well. And, um, so, these are some thoughts about the Goswamis uh, that come to mind. Um, I would say back to Sanatan Goswami, the uh, the story of Sanatan, um, his his uh, escape from prison, his being imprisoned, him being a Bhagavad, the best Bhagavad scholar. We think of Jiva Goswami as the greatest Bhagavad scholar, but the original Bhagavad scholar in Gaudiya Vaishnavism was Sanatana Goswami, surrounded himself with pandits to study the Bhagavatam. Um, and uh, as a result, was kind of absent from his duty. As a result, got imprisoned, freed from the prison. And I, I guess I would say that that story I find very, very compelling, how he moved across the countryside, how he... Uh, uh, with his just, um, I would say his uncanny, I mean, he, he, he and Rupa, they were very extraordinary people um, to have been taken in by the um, Nuwab Hussein Saad, the, the, the Mongol, Mughal uh, uh, Muslim ruler. Um, and given, I mean, in his absence, Sanatana Goswami was in, was in charge of the whole, you know, his empire. <laughs> so uh, they were very, and they were they were Brahmins. They were very cap- capable of assessing, understanding people. So the story of how 
when he escaped from prison and then took uh, refuge um, along the way, he could ascertain by the way the the uh, the uh, what you call it, hotel keeper was uh, dealing with him. Ati Bhakti Lakshan Chor, it said, too much bhakti is a sign of a thief. So he thought, why this person is so, you know, so dear, he feels so, you know, so so respectful to us. Um, and of course, he didn't know who he was, who Sanatana was to have warranted such success or such, uh, such um, uh, regard and so forth. And so he asked his... Um, the assistant was traveling with him. Did he have anything valuable with him? He said, yeah, he had taken eight gold coins. So now that had the gold coins and that's how he got out of, out of prison. Um, and it turns out that the, the innkeeper had the day before met with an astrologer and astrologer said these, these two people will be coming and they'll have gold, gold coins. So he's being nice to him that he was going to steal the coins and maybe kill him. Anyway, Sanatan figured this all out just by analyzing his personality and uh, the way he, the way he re- interacted with them. And then he gave them all the coins and went on. And so, and then he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Benares. It's very, very touching. He had a fancy um, chatter like this one given to him by, by Paramananda. Uh, and uh, Mahaprabhu just, Looked at him in a certain way, he could understand. Oh, Mahaprabhu's not pleased to permit him as a beggar, a mendicant, to be wearing a fat pants each other. So went and traded with somebody on the on the bank of the Gango. Said, "What are you? What are you joking? Making fun of me or something like that?" No, I want your old, beaten, torn, torn cloth. Reminds me of Prabhupada's uh, statement there. I think it was part of one of his poems that uh, he wrote. Um, Maybe maybe from from the Americas, or maybe he wrote it in a letter. Or maybe he wrote it in a letter. Yeah, I'm here. I've got such and such facility and so forth. But I long for that um, little life in Vrindavan and the torn, the torn cloth, the torn quilt of the Godias and uh, and so forth. So, uh, kind of the 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 renunciation of. Of, of of Sanatan um, is highlighted highlighted there, and then of course he came to Puri. The story of him um, foregoing the main path um, when called by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, which would have taken him past the priests of the Jagannath Temple, thinking that if he went there, they might he might contact them in some way and contaminate them. And he went and said along the beach. And suffered uh, blisters on his feet from the blistering hot sand. Of course, he was oblivious to it in his in his praying. Um, but uh, I, I found his person to be very um, very attractive. The leader, the father. It's uh, the story of it. they used to call call him Munda Baba, shaved Baba, because he always kept the shaved head with the sika. And when he passed away, from, he, he would walk through the villages, right. He would do parakram around Govardhan. And when he would come to the, uh, any, any village, the children would come out, the parents would come out, people would come out, treat him like a father, like an uncle. And, um, it's a very, very endearing picture. 
And it's highlighted by the fact that when he left the world, it said every man, woman, and child in Vrindavan shaved their head to show allegiance to Mundababa, to Sanatana Swami. Um, he, Jiva says, repeatedly throughout at the introduction of each of the Sandarbhas, who praised to Rupa Sanatana, who were famous as devotees in Mathura. So to be a devotee in Mathura is one thing, to be famous as a devotee in Mathura is another. And Sanatana Goswami in Gorlila, of course, is the leader of them all. Rupa Goswami refers to him repeatedly as a, as a guru figure in his life. Um, so those are some of the thoughts I have on um, his book, Priya Bhagavatamrita, I should say, is probably the, my favorite book, no doubt, favorite book of the Goswamis. Of course, he gives a very um, special position to Satyarasar, the protagonist of the first canto being Nard, who's in Satyarasar and his expansion of Madhu Mangal from Vrindavan. And Gopakumar in the second canto, the Golokamahatna section, who shows the way and points out the virtues and the glory of Gopi Bhav, both of them do. So, uh, which is much what, what the book is about. So that's a very, very, very compelling text also. So, yeah, those two, Jiva and, uh, and Rupa Goswami, have um, um, entered into my um, heart and uh, and soul as some thoughts about about them. Thank you for the question. What Thank else? You yeah. Um, so I actually had a follow up. It's really interesting to me that Jiva Goswami has that affinity for Sakyaras. And it made me think, like, is there a similar kind of group within the Manjaris as there are, is like the Priyanarmasakas that they have this uh, kind of heightened uh, mixture of like Sakya and Madhurya, but in in having like the Gopi Gopi Bhav being their Stai Bhav, or like you know what I'm saying? Like, like well, what you're saying, I think, is that given that the there are Sakas who whose Sakya is imbued with madhurya like yogurt is uh, with honey in it the honey being the madhurya it's, it's still yogurt but it's, it's sweetened are there manjaris whose madhurya bhav is sweetened by a drop of madhurya of, of sakya mm-hmm. and I think the answer to that in one sense is no that there's no because this is a kind of a permanent affair of the um, of the of the Narmasakas, uh, the coward boys who have that influence. Um, there, um, even in the one instance in Rupa Goswami's Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, where he gives an example of Sakya mixed with Hasya, hmm, there he's talking about a mixing that. That, that is temporary. He's talking about mixing of ras. How compatible rasas can mix with one another, um, and though and the main rasa by which one is defined, stayibab, mixes with another compatible rasa, and that compatible rasa acts like a like a stayibab, hmm? but it comes and goes and recedes and 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 it, it enters and that's that's what sanchari or rabichari means, right? Um, so even when he gives an example of Habhasya, 
Hasi is a secondary comedy humor mixing with Sakya. The example he gives is, is Krishna talking to a gopi in, in, in Subal's presence. And Subal is laughing. He tells the gopi, what, what are you doing here in the middle of the night? You know, what kind of boy do you think I am? And so forth. Uh, so he says, this is an example of Hasya, or Sakya mixed with Hasya. But then he, Rupa Goswami gives that, that comment. Ajiva Goswami in his commentary says, but of course, um, um, Madhuri is also there in the person of Subal. So he, he, there's never an instance in which these Narmasakas are spoken about um, in which that influence of Madhuri is not part of their bhava, like a sanchari, which would come and, come and go. It does function like a sanchari, but it's a permanent affair. Therefore, they're, they have a, they're not like Narm, uh, Priyasakas who have just friendship for Krishna, but sometimes their love is augmented by Madhuri, but they have a, uh, a special kind of, uh, bhava vishesh that makes them a different category. So there aren't manjaris like that in one sense. Um, um, but given the compatibility between Madhuri Ras and, and, and Sakya Ras, you can find that uh, instances in which that influence may come, right? And then given, now now if you go to Jiva Goswami's statement, which I cited earlier from Preeti Sandarbha, he's talking about the mixing of rasas there. And um, and the way he doesn't use the term Sankul Bhav, which is a term given by Rupa Goswami, which talks about Sankul Bhav means a devotee has more than one rasa that makes up his or her permanent identity. So Sakya mixed with uh, Vatsalya, for example, uh, let's take Balaram. He's a Sakya. He's defined by his Sakya because that's prominent, but it's, it's mixed together with or bundled together, I should say, in one sense, with, with, uh, with, uh, Vatsalya and, uh, and, and Dasya. That's his permanent Bhav. Hmm. Um, and, Rupa Goswami does not give examples of Sankul Bhav in which Sakya is mixed with Madhuri or any Rasa is mixed with Madhuri, but Jiva Goswami does. He doesn't use the name Sankul Bhav, but the examples he gives are, are all examples that Rupa Goswami gives when using the term Sankul Bhav, like Arjuna, like, like, I, I should say, like Yudhisthira, for example, Uddhava, um, Balaram, and so forth. But Jiva Goswami, uh, and he doesn't, Sankul means like to bundle together. Um, Mishra means to mix. Jiva Goswami uses the term Mishra, mix. He says the mix. Okay. That's a technical point. But, uh, but at any rate, he does give the example of Madhurya, which is your question, mixed with Sakya. Hmm? As a bhav, a form of Sankul bhav, he doesn't use the term Sankul, but that's what he's talking about. Hmm? And unlike Rupa Goswami, he gives the example of Madhurya mixed with, with, with Sakya. He gives the example of Madhurya mixed with Dasya in terms of the queens of Dwarka. But the Kanta Bhav of Radha, Kanta means Sambhog, 
Sambhogamai, where the, the, the gopi has a direct romantic relationship with Krishna, um, rather than Tadbhav, which means the gopi has more prominently a relationship with a leading lady who has a relationship with Krishna that she seeks to serve. Mm-hmm. Now, some types of that Tadbhav will also have a rendezvous with Krishna's request, but the extreme form of that is the Manjaris, who will resist Krishna, even if he tries to have a relationship with them. And then he tests them and he sees their affinity, for example, for Radha, and he likes this very much, right? Because he loves Radha. So um, so when, when Jiva Goswami says that, that the Kantabhav, he's talking about Radharani. <laughs> I mean, she's the best example of Kantabhav. Her Kantabhav is mixed with, 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 with Saki. That's a very, like, nobody comments on that, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't himself either. That's a very, really caught my attention. So I wrote a whole article about it to uh, explain how that, how, how that might, uh, play out and what could be an example, as I mentioned earlier. But, um, but given now, now back to your question regarding the Manjaris, their service is very similar because the, the Narmasakas are also trying to bring Radha and Krishna together, uh, as the Manjaris are and so forth. Um, and they're all intimately, you know, connected as friends in another, in a broader sense. But given that the, if we take Jiva Goswami's, uh, perspective, that the Kantababa of Braj is mixed with Sakya, then the, the Manjari Bhav hmm, is fully focused, for example, on Radha's Bhav. Hmm, and if she, if they experience everything that Radha experiences, then they're experiencing uh, Sakya Bhav mixed with, with, with Madhurya. Now you're not going to hear this anywhere else, but I've given, it's well supported as a, as I mentioned. Thank you for that follow up question. Thank you very much. That makes, makes perfect sense. Okay, the next question is from Suki Krishna from Madhuvan. Okay. Hare Krishna, Guru Maharaj, you can hear me? I can hear you, I can see you. Okay, so um, I have a question from the Bhagavad Gita, the 9.30 verse. Um, shall I read the translation to you? Sure. Um, so it's, it says, even if a person of very bad behavior worships me with undivided devotion, he is thought to be, he is, he is to be thought of as saintly for he has the proper resolution. So, um, there's a, I have a couple of questions about it. That one, one first is the term Ananya Bhak or Ananya Bhakti, which is, um mm-hmm. translated as this uh un you know undivided devotion to Krishna. Um so I I guess I get I'd like a it seems to be broadly defined and according to yeah I'm, I'm a bit uncertain of what that means exactly and, and what would the parameters of that sort of classification be. Mm-hmm. Um that would be the first question. And the second is that um, one, of, one of the concerns that comes up about this verse is that it can be used as a license for uh, sinful activity. Um, yes. So, you know, because I'm a devotee, I can do whatever I please. Um, so I, I, I find myself sort of stuck that there's a very positive message 
in this verse that sort of back to you overrides everything and um, love conquers all that sort of message. But I find generally when, when there's a situation that would be applicable to this verse, I, I lean towards feeling, well, yeah, it, it feels like an excuse. It's the, this, this, the sentiment of this verse is being used as an excuse for not dealing with, with things properly. So I'm, I'm wanting to lean towards the positive side, but I'm kind of, I find myself quite stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, if you could help me with that, I'd be yeah. grateful. Ananya Bhakti is another way of saying Uttam Bhakti, Shuddha Bhakti. Ananya means unalloyed, exclusive, no other, uh, and so on. So it's a high, uh, term or bar. Uh, it, it's, 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 uh, uh, Ananya Bhakti rather than some mixed form of Bhakti, mixed with karma, mixed with yoga, mixed with jnan. Uh, what speak of jnan mixed with with bhakti or karma mixed with bhakti, which would be even lesser. So there are many ways in which bhakti manifests, but pure, unalloyed, bhakti only. And um, as Krishna speaking, um, and so, you know, if, if, if we emphasize that point, then it goes to, you know, to the, to the uh, Vrindavan type of bhakti, Gaudiya type of, of, of bhakti that's emphasized in our sampradaya. So the term is, is, is a high term. Now, that said, Ananya bhakti being another uh, term for Uttam bhakti, which Rupa Goswami uses in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, okay, there we find that Uttam bhakti has three uh, stages, sadhana, um, uh, bhava and brain. So in, in, in the most generous sense of the term, you can have sadhakas who are uttam bhaktas because they have embraced the school of uttam bhakti, but they may not be, uh, yet, they, they're a work in progress at the same time. The goal of that sadhana bhakti is bhava bhakti. If they've attained bhava bhakti, then, you know, they're Uttam Bhaktas, not only in terms of being on the, the generous path of Uttam Bhakti, which extends itself, you know, to use the term of uh, Bhakti Vinod or, or Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami himself, who has faith hmm, in the teachings of Uttam Bhakti. Um, but Baba Bhakti has experience also. Not only is he or she following the angas of bhakti, kind of imitatively, without a feeling, without emotion, but actually has now attained the emotive component, the active and the, and the emotive component of bhakti. So that would be an uttam bhakta or ananya bhakta in a more full sense, we could say, than, a, than one who's an uttama bhakta or ananya bhakta in the stage of sadhana, right? And then there's the praying bhakta himself. So which one is he talking about there, right? If we're using the term Ananya Bhakti. Well, it's obvious that if we use the term Ananya Bhakti here to refer to a sadhaka, you, argue, you could make that argument. Well, they might do some things that are out, out of out of character, right? They're, they're a work in progress. Um, 
so one could make the argument that uh, uh, still they're 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 dear to Krishna because of their uh, ideal. Pujapadshita Marsha to say in Gaudiya person is not defined by their past, neither by their present, which is thought to be generous. Let's judge him by his present, not by his past, but by his future, by his ideal. Hmm. Uh, so the, 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 even the Sadhana Bhakta of Ananya Bhakti has the ideal of Braj Bhakti. That's hard enough to, you know, to come to, but speak of attaining it. It's very special. I've said before, and I've written about it as well, that the nature of rag bhakti is that it's it has the power, more than any other type of bhakti, to get Krishna's attention. Because it's about those who have Krishna's full attention, right? It's about Subal. It's about Rupa Manjari. And, and, and their love they call, it, they call them ragatmikas, hmm? following in their footsteps. That's what rag, anuga, anuga means to follow, to follow in their footsteps. So I want to serve, love Krishna like they do. Well, no one loves Krishna more than they do. Hmm? All of Vaikuntha, Ayodhya, uh, and everywhere else where bhakti is manifest in perfection doesn't get Krishna's attention like uh, the love of the Brajbasis for him does. Um, Krishna says to the gopis at Kurukshetra that, you know, it's the, uh, my, people approach me for eternal life. People approach me for things. They approach me for, for eternal life to get away from things, temporary things. They approach me dutifully in service because I, they, they see me as God. But what you, the way you're approaching me is, is a whole different affair in a, by which I'm completely purchased, right? So this is, again, Rag Bhakti. So if someone has this ideal in mind, well, that's the speciality of Rag Bhakti. Even you don't have much for qualification, but that's your ideal. You get Krishna's attention more than, arguably, um, Someone by Kunta, of course, is by Kunta, they get full the attention of his expansion as Narayan, hmm? but he himself is not that uh, attracted. Is he more attracted to the perfect devotees in Baikuntha, Krishna and Vrindavan, or someone who's imperfect but has the ideal of Vrindavan? Hmm? So the argument is well, that, that latter person gets his attention more. So given this, then the I mean, the generous nature of Krishna that Uddhava underscored, right? When he said, uh, what is the position of Krishna? Who can imagine? Putin came just dressed like a devotee hmm? with a nefarious intention, evil intention. He dismissed the evil intention in one sense and gave her a form of Vatsalyabhav. Uh, so who Uddhava says, and he's very learned, obviously, who in their right mind would take shelter of anyone other than Krishna? Um, I'm going to just, just slow down now because I'm remembering Madam Mohan asked me to do so. Forgive me for not doing so earlier. Um, so uh, 
the generosity of Krishna, right? And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna himself, and there that 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 magnanimous nature, the generous nature of Krishna is, is emphasized. That's 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 focused on there. Um, his compassionate uh, nature is said to be personified as Radha and Krishna, pursuing Radha's nature. That's Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So. Gaudiya Vaishnavism is very, very, um, very generous. We should be, therefore, very generous with one another. Hmm? Um, um, it doesn't mean we can't be strict and tell people what they need to hear. That if we're a friend, we're going to do that and hold our ground and so forth. And, 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 hopefully, and hopefully they will, you know, rise to the occasion um, and improve themselves when we have that kind of insight to offer others who who all of us should be looking for how can i improve myself anybody <laughs> we're so resistant to good instructions and advice and, and and so forth we should be open open to it we need all the help we can get so i'm i'm thinking about this you know now in a broad way um given given your question um and how it could from krishna's point of view pertain to a sadhaka which then uh, kind of does away with the problem that you're having, right? Mm-hmm. In one sense, because well, you're a sadhaka, you've got some faults. It's good to know that Krishna likes you anyway. Mm-hmm. And where does Krishna put more emphasis on your faults and your weaknesses, or on on your your upside, if you will? Well, it's it's the latter. That's where his that's his nature. So he's going to go there. It's not an excuse. To deviate and so forth. That's, that's, that's an, an embarrassing reality that understood and emphasized should give us impetus to improve. Oh my God. I, I did this and Krishna still cares for me. How, how much I should care for him how, and how, how, how wonderful he is, how merciful, how gracious, how kind. Like Uddhava said, who in their right mind would take shelter of anyone else? So knowing this, about him is very compelling for a sadhaka to overcome his or her uh, weaknesses and shortcomings, which is you know very much part of what sadhana bhakti or bhakti in practice is about. And so, if we look at the verse in that way, then well, it's 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 not hard to understand. Now, if we go further, and as we should, and give a more conservative definition or explanation of Uttam Bhakti and say, well, Uttam Bhakti means someone who's a, who is a, not only on the path, who has embraced the path, but who has successfully tread the path of sadhana bhakti and attained the bhava. Now, if we see some deviation or uh, some, some uh, unbecoming action on the part of a Baba Bhakta, that's where it starts to become, oh, what's going on here? Is a Baba Bhakta? She's a attained Baba. And we see, but Rupa, but Rupa Goswami does say in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, in his chapter on Baba Bhakti, that sometimes it's seen that something, some unbecoming activity may, um, May surface in the Bhava Bhakti, but that should be overlooked given the fact that the devotee has attained Bhava. 
Now, this is where it starts to become, you know, is that your, your question starts to uh, surface a little bit more. Um, but you have to put the two things together. Some unbecoming activity and the fact that they have attained bhava. Now, there are symptoms which are indicative of the fact that one has attained bhava. Or there are symptoms that are described by Prabhupada's preliminary symptoms to, to Baba, Ashabandhu, Samutkanta, all these things. There's nine of them. Hmm? Um, doesn't waste any time. Uh, has, has an, uh, hope beyond hope, uh, an, uh, affinity for the name and, and pastime hearing and so forth. Nine symptoms. So if we see these symptoms in someone, We'll see the symptoms which cannot be hidden, even while the bhava can be hidden, and, and it's, it's, it's recommended that it should be hidden, kept within, shared, you know, not with anybody and everybody. They might not understand it properly. Um, the checking of ecstatic symptoms in public bhakti siddhanta was very famous for that, um, for example, because there, there's that can be imitated. But the other nine symptoms, which are visible, they, they can't be imitated. Hmm. Not maybe for a little while, but not 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 consistently. Hmm. So, you know, let, you know, as far as imitating symptoms, let's say, let's say, you know, you grow up in the West, and there are certain narratives that are common to you know your childhood, your upbringing, and so on and so forth. And then you see a movie in which. Uh, it's all it's really tied to your culture and so forth it may bring tears to your eyes you know you may weep uh, and, and so forth someone in india who's brought up reading mahabharat from childhood is going to weep hearing about mahabharat doesn't mean they have bhava not everybody that weeps hearing krishna's pastimes necessarily has has bhava so there are other symptoms, as I say. Now, if we so, Rupa Goswami says, if he has bhava and some blemish comes, well, that blemish should not be given much consideration. So let's see if he has or she has bhava first, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but then the question is, why would that that occur? Well, it may occur because um, we have a past. Some scars uh, or dip, habits formed in youth are, you know, difficult to overcome, mm-hmm. right? So habits formed over lifetimes, difficult to overcome. And natures and, and so on and so forth. Um, someone comes from a Malecha background, for example, and then attains bhava. There may be some residue from that side that's going, that's still going on, that um, a, a, an, an attitude, uh, a disposition, uh, or maybe, maybe uh, acting some way that would seem out of character. I mean, Krishna does use the word sudarachar, very misbehaved, to emphasize his point. Something may be there uh, uh, from the parabda that hasn't quite expired yet, but it just, you know, it's not something that's continuous and um, ongoing and so forth. Um, but Rupa Goswami does give that. Uh, now, so again, you have to balance it. If, if she has Bob and she does this, then we're given a persistent of Bob. Hmm. Um, 
and then of course Prem Bhakti that, that, uh, that's uh, that's another thing the Bhava has been uh, perfected so uh, I, 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 I don't think uh, um, the commentaries on the text you know are are different by different acharyas but I think Jiva Goswami makes a strong emphasis um, um, that this is an incidental thing not a you know not a uh, uh, a habit of a person um, who we may have thought was very advanced and now we're surprised to see that they're conducting themselves in ways that would indicate otherwise um, so that's my thoughts on does that help Yes, thank you. Yeah, it's a lot to think about there. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you for the question. All right. The next question is from Udhava from Spain. Okay. Hare Krishna, Maharaj. Been reading recently the Krishna book with my wife, and I noticed in the two pastimes about the forest fire, you know, suddenly the cow herds become very iceberg. You know, become uh, uh, begging Krishna, oh, please, you are the supreme, save us. You know, only you can, you know, save us from this. And like I, I was wanted to ask you what the significance of that is something temporary, is just for the Lila, because that's not like their natural mood. Yeah, in the commentaries, they're concerned about Krishna. Mm -hmm. They don't want anything to happen to Krishna. They're not really afraid. Your question is, why are they afraid for themselves? There's two ways to look at it. This is the first way. They're actually afraid for Krishna. Mm -hmm. um, and in, sometimes in the language of the Bhagavatam, there may be a epithet or a name that um, contains some Aishvarya. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the mood from one perspective, is that, oh, uh, uh, protect us from this fire because it may result in us not having your association because something may happen to you. Mm -hmm. You understand? This is the, this is the feeling. Um, or another way of looking at that is it's a leela, it's a drama. Mm -hmm. So when there's a drama, there's some place for them to have some fear even though they are fearless. In the drama, there's a place for them to be hungry, even when there's no hunger hmm, for such devotees. We find that in the in the, in the, the, the Leela of the Brahman, Brahman uh, the wives of the Brahmins mature, the coward boys become hungry. It's a similar thing. Are they hungry for themselves? Hmm? Well, it's comment on, when they realize Krishna must be hungry, we're hungry, therefore Krishna must be hungry. Therefore, we should emphasize, you know, do something about this, right? Because they know that they're hungry. If, Krishna's, if they're hungry, Krishna must be hungry. Hmm? That's such as their identification with him. Sakyarasta, identification with Krishna's equality. So whatever he's feeling, they're feeling. Hmm? So he, they're thinking, there's a fire. If he's afraid, we're afraid, you know. And we're afraid we may lose his association. So this is the way to think about that. Does that help? Yes. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Now I'm satisfied. <laughs> okay. 
Okay, good. Um, ready for the next one? Yeah, I'm ready. The next one is from Kishore. I've written about these both of these leelas in my book too, with many comments about that. So we'll get some further insight from that when it comes out. From question from Kishore. Okay, go ahead. Anyway, Pranand Kumar. Yeah. Um, so I, I was thinking about the name that a deity takes, and it seems interesting because, in one sense, the deity is Krishna, and so Krishna obviously has many names, but yet the deity has kind of a a single name that we refer to them and that stands out. So I'm wondering what's the significance of a deity taking a a name, a particular name. Well, the significance of the deity is that the devotee whose heart the deity is an expression of is named by that devotee in, in the light of how the devotee thinks about him, sees him, and so forth. Um, Krishna gives bhakti, but he, but but a particular type of bhakti that's given by the devotee, right? <laughs> so, um, so the deity is, uh, you know, uh, Prabhupada, for example, installed many deities around the world and he thought about them in different ways in different places and he named them accordingly. And so they adopted those names. The names coming from the feeling in the heart of the devotee about how he sees them maybe, you know, in a, a lot of times Prabhupada did it in kind of a, in a broader sense, um, in terms of what he was doing in the world, his mission, and the fact that Krishna was participating in it, and so forth. Um, uh, and sometimes uh, more in terms of an internal bhava sense. Um, but he tended to personally gravitate towards the latter. For example, his bhava is in Braj, but he named the deities in Los Angeles, Rukmini and Dwarkadish. So that seems to be like, why would he name his deities Rukmini and Dwarkadish when he is a devotee of Krishna in Vrindavan, the devotee of Radha and Krishna and Krishna and Balaram? Well, there he was looking at it from an external point of view and thinking, okay, now Krishna's, this is a leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that's manifesting in the world outside of India and the headquarters of it is, is, is Los Angeles. So, it's a it's a big big city, so uh, it's more like Dwarka than you know the headquarters. But uh, and Krishna should be treated in the princely way here. So he named the Rukmini and Dwarkadish you know, world headquarters. Um, so that's very peculiar. I mean, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, but it was in relation to the Leela that he was in the, in the midst of in this world, right? In his perfected. Uh, Sadaka Deha. He named the deities in Kurukshetra. I think they have a temple in Kurukshetra, Delhi, near it's closer to Kurukshetra than any other major city. Radha Parthasarathi. Hmm. Parthasarathi means the chariot driver of Krishna. Um, in the uh, in the battle of Kurukshetra. So that's uh, I mean for him this is all a Leela. This is new Leela. <laughs> And there's a new Rukmini and Dwarf edition there in, there in Los Angeles and, and so forth. So, um, 
you know, but otherwise, there, there are other deities named more from an internal, you know, point of view. Kishore, Kishori, where Kishore is first and Kishori is second. It's kind of a Nama Sakabhav, you know, perspective. Right? When Kishore, Kishori, who were his deities in Chicago, were first brought out, it was in Pondal in Bombay, Pondal program, outdoor program, thousands of people coming. And the second night of the Pondal, I believe, or the second Pondal, Kishore Kishori were, the preside, were there presiding before they were sent to, the, to America to be installed. There was a kirtan. Prabhupada did kirtan and danced around them in a circle. Pretty uncommon uh, for Prabhupada to do that. The devotees followed him. He named them Kishore Kishori. In Narmasakabhav, then, when there are, as there are repeatedly, meetings between Krishna and the gopis, and Krishna and his friends, and Radha and her friends, I should say, then the Narmasakas will take the position of Krishna mm-hmm. um, over Radha. So it's peculiar to name, name the deity. You know, it's usually Radha Krishna, Radha Govinda, Radha um, Murlidhar, and so forth. Now it's Kishore is first and Radha second. Of course, Prabhupada was impressed about that once. He said, well, save the best for the last, which is also a Narmasaka perspective, right? <laughs> Radha being the last name there. Save the best for the last. So we go both ways, but um, you know, the, the, it would be would have been very interesting to have had the opportunity to press Prabhupada on that name, you know. Um, but it's 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 obviously nothing to do with Chicago as a city in the Midwest, if you will. So there's an instance where he gave a name um, from more of an internal bob and feeling uh, internally, rather than something relative to externally. What he was doing, which was which was what he did at, at times, as I, as I mentioned. So anyway, the name of the deity is a name that the deity accepts. The deity is the deity is um, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. He comes according to the heart of the devotee, shows himself. Does that help? Yes, it does. Thank you. So would would you say that the deity? Like the name of the deity is part of the window or the prakash that that's being offered. Yeah, yeah. And there you have Dodge Paul. It's a little emphasis on the older brother there. Krishna Balaram, Dodge Paul Balaram Krishna. Thank you very much. Okay, we have a few more minutes. Is there any other question? Yeah, there's a question from, or actually a two-pronged question from Akendra, but I first wanted to read something that Ananda Govinda wrote in the chat. Nice comment. He said, Happy Father's Day, dear Maharaj. Thank you for keeping us enlightened and engaged in this transcendental nursery. Okay. And so then Kendra's question, it's so basically two questions. The first question is, what should we be the most optimistic about? And then the second question is, what should we be the most pessimistic about? about? Well, I'll give a brief answer. We should be the most us optimistic about our prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vishnu John Marja Godbrother of mine used to say, the distance we have traveled... Mm-hmm up to the point of meeting our guru 
is far longer than the distance we have to go from the point of meeting him to the to attaining our destination. So to have a human life, how rare, how far have we come? And to have Sadhguru on top of that and Sadhu Sangha, Dulabamana Vajanama Satsangi, Taraha Baba Sindure. So, Dulabamana, but very rare, Dulaba, to get a mana, but general birth as a human, and rare still to have Sadhu Sangha, but these things together, that's the boat to travel across the Baba Sindhu, the ocean of material emotion, material existence, which is what we, something we have to be, what we should be pessimistic about. We should be optimistic about our future, we're pessimistic about the prospect of, of working things out <laughs> in this world, uh, everything, uh, perfecting ourselves, you know, you know uh, in our lives, um, um, short of the fact, you know, that, that can obscure the fact that it's temporary anyway. There's always going to be a problem. It's after before you press down here, it comes up over there. You press down over there, it comes up over here. Such is the nature of the world. So I think we should have a healthy pessimism hmm, about uh, the nature of the material world, and it should serve as impetus, negative impetus, to pursue uh, the optimistic prospect. Hmm. Days come before us, the benediction, the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. That's a short answer. Thank you very much. There is one last question from Ram Mohan. Madhuvan is on fire today. So third question from that quarter. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Um, my question is relating to, related to um, a verse from the second chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, um, where Krishna says the soul is neither slain, uh, neither slays nor is slain, and it raised the question for me of where where does a the jiva's will reside? Well, jiva has will. And if it didn't have will, then nothing would make any sense, right? There would be no reason to tell him, don't do this and, and do that. And the scriptures on a certain level are full of such do's and don'ts and instructions and, and, uh, and so forth. So it's appealing to our will, right? To accept uh, what is really in our interest and to reject that which is not. So... Uh, one and one of the uh, qualities of the jiva is uh, kartrutva, which means he's an agent of action. Which so it means his will ha- has an influence on what what happens in the world. Mm-hmm. So where does it reside? Well, the will resides inherent in the jiva. It may be covered over by the material nature and habits that are formed that that uh, that. That the, that the mind and the senses that now automatically gravitate towards, right? Mm-hmm. Automatically gravitate towards. We've acted in such a way there's a reaction that reinforces previous actions. So 
there's a, if you look at material life, you can see the more one is covered, the less that will is, is, is manifest. It's there, but it may not be manifest. And the more what's going on is just the movement of the, of the modes of nature, which, which include the intellect, the mind, the senses, body, and so forth. So if we look at less complex forms of life, for example, where we say there's also an atma, how much is the will there? We tend to think that they're not responsible for what they do. Whatever is happening to them is a reaction from something that will expire and then they'll get a higher birth. In human life, however, there's kind of a coming out from underneath material nature. So the covering is, 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 is of material nature is minimized to the extent that the will comes to the surface. Now, the more we act like an animal, the more it's going to be covered, right? That's something you can see from artificial intelligence now is a prominent, you know, prominent thing. And you can see that um, all of the activities of the mind, intelligence, and the senses practically, they can, practically can be done by artificial intelligence. So the mind, the, intel- the intelligence, the body, these are all artificial. These are all the movements of material nature. It's not you. There's one thing left. You know, robots can do everything except, except feel, right? And, and have a will, will to change and so forth. And that's there in humans. Now, you know, they can get tremendous amount of negative impetus. Sometimes that's required. That will to change through good association will surface. Um, how does it now, from a scientific point of view, you know, they have a hard time figuring out if there's will. Where the hell is it? Because we think this moves because of that, that happens because of that. We figure out this happens because of this, and so on and so forth. People thought it was because of other reasons, superstitions, but we find actually this is how it all works. They're all looking at it in one sense deeply, but in another sense superficially, and um, and they don't see how will can have a role. When you come to quantum, the quantum perspective, then, you know, you do have this quantum field of potentialities. They're all potential. Whatever happens, the whole world is, from the, from the Gaudiya point of view, the whole world of matter is more mind-like than it is physical-like. It's more a realm of potentialities that could happen. And then they take appearances like trees. I'm looking out my window and Fences and buildings and mountains and so, so forth. These are all ideas, really. As I said, stones don't think they are thoughts. Right? So, whoa, uh, you know, that, that's pretty interesting. So the point being that there, there's that uh, in the quantum field of potentialities, the jiva's will can be expressed in a potentiality that will become real. That's why if you, if you enter, well, that's a kind of a fancy way, modern way of speaking about meditation, entering the quantum field. And, um, and seeing your, your will um, and the role it plays in causing things to happen. Ultimately, the liberated jiva is called satya sankalpa, one of its qualities. Whatever, whatever it wills happens. 
course, whatever wills is only for the pleasure of Krishna. And so there he's in the Leela and it's all happening. But uh, the role of the, will, of will, the will is significant, you know, it, 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 and, and um, for the sadhaka, another way to think about it is well, we need mercy and we need effort. So the effort is our will, hmm? our effort to embrace the grace that we've got and change our lot hmm? for the better. That's the exercise of our, of our, of our will. We need to, be, need, to, need to strengthen that. Now, if you can meditate, that's another, learn to meditate. That's another thing, right? Um, then you can, you can see, you, you can, you can, one of the mystical, uh, probably the most, uh, common, uh, city, if you will, or a semblance of a, of a city is, is when one starts to see things are happening because they're supposed to happen. The synchronicity of things. Paramatma. Uh, oh, I was thinking this and there it is. I went there and that happened over here. And this starts to become your life like it's all very magical and so forth. Hmm. Um, so, you know, in that instance, then the will is less suppressed, much less suppressed by material nature. It's, it's coming out. So those are some thoughts as we conclude today's discussion. You had another question too, or comment? Or is that, yeah, okay, well. Oh, yeah, that helped. But, um, yeah, I, I guess, I because I wasn't really quite sure where my question was leading, but it's like how to align our will with Krishna's will, but then also still have a will of our own. Or is it separate? <laughs> is it like separate? There's no separation there. Well, let me take, for example, you know, uh, all of, yeah. every, every coward boy loves Krishna is completely surrendered to him, but each one is different, right? They have their own will. Some like bananas, some like grapefruits, some like mangoes, some like watermelons, right? Mm-hmm. And when they like watermelons, they taste it. Krishna's tasting it through the, through the tongue. Of the coward boy, which is an ex- which is a form that's an expansion of Krishna's own own form, hmm? which is your form. Hmm? So the particulars of each gopa and gopi are there. They have their own desires. They're all part of rasa. Hmm? Hmm. So yeah, there's a, there's a more there's a more basic sense. Nimitras uh, it says in the Gita. Arjuna is praying to become a nimitta, an instrument. Hmm. This is the more basic sense. Let me become an instrument of Krishna, right? Whatever he wants. Hmm. And then if you become acquainted with what he wants and become more qualified, you see what he really likes in the Braj Leela. And some aspect of that attracts us naturally. And so you want to become like that. And then the details of that are going to come out of your own atma. Hmm. So you're going to have your own will and it's going to be non-different from Krishna's will, but it'll be different from the will of another gopi. Hmm? <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. All right. Nice to speak with you all. I hope to be with you next week. Thank you very much. Uh, Mark Betton has uh, a couple questions, but let's leave that for next week. Mark, if you come, come next Sunday, we'll ask your questions. 
And I had a couple other smaller announcements. One is, of course, that next Thursday, Sadhvi is going to be speaking on impediments to devotion. That's the class she's going to give. And another announcement that is quite significant, I think, is that Hari Priya from uh, Finland has written a small book, and it's based on her classes on faith on um, this Tatlavik uh, series. I think it was a couple of years ago. And uh, I think it's a great, you know, cause for celebration when devotees start, you know, talking about bhakti in their own terms, on, in their from their own experience. And writing about it and stuff. So I really hope you guys can check this stuff out. I'll post a link to it in the chat. Let's see here. No, actually, I can't access it now. But no, somehow this whole thing jammed up. Hold on. Yeah. No. Anyway, the URL is the littlefaithproject.org. And uh, I, I sent, oh, we sent out an email with the Sri Chaitanya Sangha newsletter. But if you didn't catch it, check it out, the littlefaithproject.org. And it's a uh, 125 pages or something. So smaller book, but uh, it's very well written and interesting stuff. Anyway, I'll see you guys next week and uh, stay safe. Haribo.